Welcome to another edition of Shed Chats. I'm Peter White, and today we're talking fixed interest. And before you turn off, fixed interest is an increasingly interesting subject given this lower-for-longer environment. People want to know where they can get yield, safe yield. Today's guest is Jonathan Baird from Western Asset Management, the multi-award winning manager and arguably Australia's premier fixed interest manager. Jonathan, and welcome to The Shed. Compared to overseas residents, Australians have a very low allocation to fixed interest securities. Why is that? I think that this is generated by a range of different reasons. I think firstly, there's been a lack of interest and education in the space and the investment landscape needs to take responsibility for that, not sharing more information on fixed income and the role that it can play in portfolios. I think secondly and importantly, access has been challenging for investors. If you didn't want to invest via a a platform and through a trust, you had very little option of investing into quality fixed income securities. I guess we compare that to the US where you know the US in advice land they have a general rule of thumb where your fixed income allocation matches your age by percentage so if you're a 30 year old you've got a lower allocation of around 30% of fixed income if you're a 65 year old and you're ready for retirement you've got an allocation closer to 65% so you get more defensive and conservative as you near a retirement over time which i think makes a lot of sense and really reduces a lot of the risks uh, retirees are exposed to. Yet ironically, the, the ATO stats show in terms of asset allocation, SMS have high holdings of cash and TDs, but not in fixed interest securities. Yeah, look, and, and that's an interesting one, especially, I mean, the TDs have been a little bit of a function of the special TD rate that we've received uh, really since the GFC, where banks were increasing their balance sheet uh, via term deposits. However, we've really seen that fall away where you're really not generating much return at all from a term deposit. And I think there is you know, real reason for investors to seek out other alternative strategies. And I think the fixed income is, is one of those, especially as they get nearer and nearer to retirement. You've got a bond fund which is available directly as an investment or through an ETF. Mm-hmm. What's, what's been the performance of the fund in the last year? Yeah, look, the the fund has performed tremendously well over the last year. And and I highlight this because it it does point out that when looking at a bond fund, you shouldn't focus just on the yield. What what was the advertised yield and what was the total return? Yeah, so the yield, if we roll the clock back, was approximately 2.5%. But if we look at the 12 months uh, as we sit here today, we're we're looking at a little over 11.5% total return. Uh, and that's the benefit of fixed income, which is something that you're not going to get out of a term deposit. When we do see yields fall and people get more conservative about markets, this is the part of the portfolio that re- really should work for you. And I guess that's a, a function of two things. One is trading, mm-hmm. uh, buying and selling, because uh, you don't necessarily hold to maturity that often, do you or do you not? Look, we, when we buy security, we, we think about it as in, what happens if we need to hold it to maturity. So we do the research to make sure that we're comfortable holding it to maturity, but we'll buy and sell maturities as we see them being over or undervalued. We're, we're active in that regard and we'll allocate around different segments of the fixed income markets to where we see the best value from a risk-adjusted perspective. It's interesting that I think Australian investors understand and like investing in equities, but I don't think they probably understand fixed interest that much is that what you find in the marketplace and, and talking to advisors oh definitely i uh, definitely it's uh, i definitely think it's the underappreciated area of the market but i think this is changing gradually and, and i think that the investment 
um, you know, the investment market needs to take responsibility for this. We need to provide access and we need to provide education um, to ensure that our, you know, our investors or our people that are retiring in the future have, you know, access to high quality fixed income as part of a well diversified portfolio. Well, you're investing in fixed income, but within that group, there are lots of different sorts of securities, aren't there? Maybe do you want to talk through the, the, the strata of and, yeah. their, and their risk profile? Absolutely. Uh, the, and this is where I think maybe some people tend to switch off is that, you know, equities are... Stay with us, folks. <laughs> equities are, you know, they're all the same. They're, you know, they might have different types of companies, but the securities are typically, um, you know, very similar or exactly the same as the, the, the equity component of a capital structure. In fixed income, we've got a lot of different risks and we've got a lot of different types of securities, which is, for us, uh, an opportunity. So you can start at the top. Uh, which is? From, we're at the top, you've got Commonwealth Government Securities here in Australia. So AAA rated, very high quality, very liquid. Um, you know, for those that are risk averse, this is a very good place to start. You've got semi-government. So, you know, very, again, high quality, you know, issued by Quen- the states. Yeah, uh, issued by the states. Then we've got things that, that are called supranationals. Now, Supranational is just an entity which is backed by one sovereign or more sovereigns. So Such as? Yeah, the World Bank, the IMF. Um, you know, there's a whole range of them out there in the market. And then we've got asset-backed securities, which are securities that have ring-fenced a pool of assets, and that might be mortgages or car loans or a whole range of different uh, securities that they can, they can ring-fence in order to back that particular bond. Uh, and then finally, we've got corporate debt. And within corporate debt, there's a range of different uh, securities as well, depending on whether you're right up at the ta- top of the capital structure. So you're a senior secured or senior debt, and you're the first to get paid. Should we see a default going all the way down through subordinated and into hybrids, which at times can act more like equities than bonds, especially during periods of stress. And typically your fund will have a mix of all of those, obviously varying, but... Exactly right. So we, we, we seek to ensure we've got enough of the really strong uh, quality assets, so government and semi-government, so, so that the portfolio performs during those risk-off environments. But we seek to... capital protection. Exactly. So we seek to ensure that we're providing that capital protection, but we'll opportunistically add you know, different amounts of credit, asset-backed, supranationals, depending on where we see the most appropriate value for the risk that we're taking. Which is where you're earning your fees, presumably. Exactly right. In any discussion of fixed interest and fixed interest bonds, we often hear the term sequencing and sequencing risk. Do you want to explain why that is and the relevance of the two terms? Sequencing risk refers to the risk uh, investors face as they move into retirement when we're thinking about superannuation. So the risk of a drawdown in your capital uh, impacting your lifestyle in the early years. So if you're a 30, 40 year old person building up or accumulating assets over time, so contributing to your super fund, if you have a 40% drawdown, you have the ability to top up your investment with earnings from your job, but you've also got the ability to wait it out and, and see that recovery. So in the GFC, for example, shares sold off you know, in excess of 40%. If that happens when you're 30 or 40 year old, you know, it, it's an issue, but it's not that big of an issue to your lifestyle. But if it happens when you're 65 and you're going into retirement- And, and you have to sell those assets and at, you, at times to win the GFC. Exactly, so you're realizing those losses 
in order to fund your lifestyle. And you know, there was a lot of people during the GFC which actually had to go back to work because they had their assets invested in equities alone. Their positioning was too risky and therefore the drawdown was too significant. So sequencing risk, which I think is a really big issue for Australia uh, and for Australia's superannuation. Do you think it's well understood? I don't think it's well understood. I don't think there's enough focus on it from the market or from the regulator. So the theory is if you happen to retire at a time where equities or risk assets or high-risk assets are performing poorly, you draw down on your on your stable assets like fixed interest. Exactly right. So bonds tend to have a negative correlation or bonds go up when equities go down, that tends to be the relationship, especially when we see significant movements in markets. So the the view is the more bonds you have or the more balanced that portfolio is, you can draw on those bonds which are performing better at higher prices and, and you can let your equities recover over time. And also that just the drawdown on your overall pool of assets is much less significant. So it is important to understand that and think about your risk in that way. The ETF, which mirrors your bond fund, your 20-year-long high-performing bond fund, it's actively managed. Most ETFs are passively managed. Yeah, look, we were very... Slash not managed. (laughs) (laughs) We were very, uh, very excited to be the first actively managed fixed-income ETF in the market. This is a partnership that we've entered into with BetaShares and Leg Mason. Western Assets ultimately the managers, while BetaShares and Leg Mason uh, help us distribute that into the market. So it's something that we're very excited about. We think that it's important that this part of the market develops because it provides access to different investors should they not want to fill out a product disclosure statement for a fund or they don't want to go onto a platform uh, in order to make that investment. You know, it's the same way as they would invest in in their shared portfolio on the ASX, providing them with really easy access. And so it's relatively new. What's been the uptake and the the, uh, feedback from advisors and investors? The uptake has been quite significant, so well over $100 million. The portfolio is trading every day, which is what you like to see from an ETF and and trading at a very uh, tight margin to the net asset value. So there's no discount or premium to the net asset value given it's a fully transparent ETF. just go through the name again because it's quite a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> it is a mouthful, but look, it's the Beta Shares Leg Mason Australian Fixed Income Fund. Managed by Western Asset. Managed by Western Asset, that's okay. not in the name, but no. the easiest way to remember it is the, the ticker. The ticker is BNDS, or bonds without the O. That's certainly simple. And I guess the final question is, we've now, in the last few months, we've seen two or three licks based on credit really take off in the market. Is that a sign that Australian investors, small individuals in Australian investors are getting more comfortable with uh, credit securities? Yeah, I definitely hope so. Look, I mean, when you, when relative to the equity market, we're still, you know, we're pale in comparison from an investor's standpoint where they're allocating from a retail investors, but it definitely shows positive signs that, you know, clients are willing to target different return profiles from different um, asset classes or different parts of the fixed income market, whether they be, you know, in the lick or the lid structure or with this one being the active ETF structure. Well, BNDS, if I've got a superannuation fund and I'm looking to park some of my low-risk money there, what sort of, uh, what's the headline yield at the moment and what's the likely total return looking forward for, say, the next 12 months, bearing in mind that you made 11% last year? 
our, our view is we've got a yield of close to 1.5%. And, and as an active manager, we're trying to add value on top of the yield that we're, that we're receiving. So we try to add about 75 basis points or 0.75%. So if we think if we can get somewhere around the low twos to 2.5%, if everything stays steady, um, we're doing okay. However, as we've seen over the last 12 months, things rarely stay steady. So the opportunity to generate higher returns and, and move assets around as we see value should hopefully uh, pop up for us. So conceivably, it could be well in excess of that, if depending on market conditions. Absolutely. If we were to see rates fall further, you know, many in the market are predicting, we would expect to see the returns on the portfolio be higher. So that ticker again? BNDS, so bonds without the O. Terrific. Thanks for your time today, Jonathan. Thank you very much.